I've been homeless. I bathed in a church bathroom, won 19 Grammys, had a career that was beyond my imagination. I've survived death several times, endured public shame, but nothing could prepare me for what God had in store for me in 2023. Hey, it's Jay, I'm back in for another one. And tonight I have with me. It's Drew. I'm talking in my NPR voice. <laughs> Just like Jay. <laughs> Should I do this show as Drew or Pastor Drew? Which one do you want me to do it as? You it's, know it's up what? To you. In it's this situation, <laughs> we're going to need a little bit of both. I'm going to need Harvey Dent in this piece tonight. <laughs> it's that kind of a situation, man. It's that kind of a situation. Yeah. Um, now I'm excited about this one. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. It's interesting. The topic of this conversation, as you can tell from the title, of course, we're going to talk about Kurt Franklin's uh, documentary. It's a short documentary, like 30 something minutes uh, called Father's Day. Um, full disclosure, uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of Kurt Franklin. And to be honest, I never really was a fan of Kurt Franklin. Part of it is partially due to my raising and coaching and we're used to music okay. and <laughs> <laughs> being a certain kind of way, you know, it's, it can be hard. It can be hard to, to take in things. You're just used to a certain regiment, certain things being a certain kind of way. If it's outside that way, it's hard to take in and you see it as a problem, right? But with time and me getting older and, you know, wisdom and living, which was the primary factor that changes somebody's perspective and mindset about things, um, I started kind of seeing like certain things that you would see as a, being a problem or having a problem with isn't really that big of a deal. And the truth is, especially when it comes to like salvation or the world or your place in the world and how you feel about things, all that kind of stuff. It's like everybody's trying to figure it out for them for themselves, you know, and sometimes we can have the, the mistake of thinking that if you control the environment, you control what's coming in. You know that's where that's where the power is, is is controlling the environment but you know living i've come to understand that you know the power is in your understanding and what you hold inside to help you deal with those things on the outside because you can't control the environment you can't control the world all you can control is is you and even though that's a lot of accountability that a lot of folks don't want to have to deal with or be accountable for it's the truth of it and so the world is supposed to be the world. The world's going to be what it's going to be. People are going to be what they're going to be. Environment's going to be what it's going to be. Society's going to be what it's going to be. But you're responsible for who you are within that world. And so with me feeling that way about it and coming at it that way, it sure kind of made things easier for me for one. So I won't always constantly think I have to fight, pull, convince, and change. It's more or less like, I have to be responsible for me and my part in, in this world. And that's enough to keep me busy without having to try to worry about all the outside forces and stuff. Um, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's a well said intro. Um, you know, for me watching this documentary as it pertains to like my response to what you just said, um, I grew up, you know, in a household that was Kojic. Like I, I grew up, uh, Kojic Elder, st my stepfather, Kojic Elder, mother, a missionary, uh, before she passed away, was on the motherboard. You know, like, this is my background. And I think my stepfather never really was one that, like, was a huge fan of, like, Stomp. 
you know, but but also there was, you know, but the reason why I sing all those other type of songs, the other worship songs he could, un, you know, he could get with. So they were in our household. I grew up, you know, that was, I had older sisters who were, you know, trying their best to cling to the church life that they were raised on. Mm -hmm. um, and so your Kurt Franklin's and uh, the different people that were coming about at the time were who they, you know, who they listened to. So I knew Fred Hammond and, and all yeah. those type of people, you know, from back then commission and uh, yeah. commissioned all the, that, but that black church music, John P. Key, all oh, this, John, yeah, and the whining yeah, and the Clark the, sisters and yeah, Dietrich Haddon later on and all that. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm well versed in, in, in like, in gospel music in that particular way and, and understanding uh how the the figure that Kurt Franklin was. Yeah. I, I knew a little bit of his story. And I think whether someone could say it's propaganda or not to sell an album, I think as a documentarian, I can honestly say watching this, I and you'll hear me say this about other documentaries or about my own. Yeah. Sometimes when you're making a documentary, a documentary breaks out, you know, like yeah. you're, you've got one subject and then boom. And I honestly do believe that he had a crew there just to do a making of behind the scenes. And then a real story broke out. Yes. And the breakthrough um, was one that I think was is instrumental. So my, my feeling about this film without going into the details is that if you haven't seen this film yet, before this discussion gets going so that you're not swayed one way or another, I think it's important that you would stop right now and watch it. That's one. But also, and this may be a little bit swaying, is that I think that if you are a, a, a person who is dealing with some issues with family from the past and other, other things, I think it's very important for you to watch this. Um, I think it's important for this to be a generational watch Meaning, I think this is a, uh, if you're blessed to still have your mother and your grandmother and those type of people around, I think this should be something you should watch and discuss some of the points because uh, we could heal from some of the, some of the things that are addressed in this, in this film. Yeah, that's true. Even in the beginning of the documentary, he even starts off talking about his, what his plan was, you know. But with almost like with any kind of art that you kind of stay open to, like you say, it, it, the art happens during the process. You know, you can have the sketch, you can have the idea, whatever laid out. But if you stay open, you know, more than likely what you start off with will, won't be what you end up with. And if you're open and honest with it and accepting, you get so much more than anything you would have planned in your wildest dreams. Um, this was a lot. I'm trying to think what's the best way to to start it without being because it's tied with so much stuff like you said it's, it's with family relationships it's with um the things we bring upon ourselves a lot of shame um a lot of stuff to do with like sense of self and what gives you that and the denial of information and us as a people yeah and the pitfalls we fall into and a lot of times at this point they're of our own doing yeah but it wasn't created by us and so it's almost once you pull one piece out it just makes the whole thing 
crumble and we're just moving off off of moves that was done to us a long time ago it's like you're on a ride and you know you need to get off but you don't remember where you got on at and so sometimes getting off the ride is scarier than than the peace it might bring you for being off but the change is just so scary you've just been so used to the trauma and confusion and being lost that being found truth and realization is scarier than the lies confusion and being lost yeah yeah i think one of the best places for us to start with this for anyone like from this point on uh from the discussion is just to say that like we're going to do a brief outline of what the film is about uh which does give up a lot of information so this is one of those points where we're giving you the spoiler alert uh warning at this point um you know, and, and the way I think about this film is, like we discussed earlier, there was a uh, uh, an attempt to make a promotional film for the new album. At that point, the album did not have a name yet. Uh, just him working on his projects to fulfill his contractual duty. And so in the middle of this uh, happening, he gets some news about his, uh, from a friend. Mm-hmm that he could potentially find his birth father. Um, we're going to go a little bit in more in depth into this factor here in, a, here in a second. But basically what this movie does is it goes on a journey of what it takes to bring in that much information while also going through like this artistic process. So mm-hmm. he's got a lot of different things going. And so he has to process uh gaining uh something he's always wanted but also losing something he's always wanted and his mother uh regaining and trying to build a better relationship with his estranged son which is of course we're going to get into that conversation a little bit later on too um and then we also are going to talk about just the integrity uh and the importance and how well uh of a job that they did with even uh telling the story as it was and there were some interesting notes that, you know, about the film with some people who were in it and not in it. Uh, and we'll, we'll mention some of those things a little bit later on, too. So really good film, really good short watch. It's not nothing that's going to, like, take your day away. But I can tell you this, it will make you cry. So for sure, <laughs> like, I, wasn't, I wasn't prepared for all that. I wasn't. Yeah. I was not. It will um, definitely make you cry. Where do you want to start with this? You want to kind of start at the beginning? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, you know, we previously kind of mentioned, one of the things that Kurt Franklin, they're sitting around and and he's had some of the same people that he's worked with for years. And you can see all these Isaac Curry and all these different familiar faces coming in to help work on the new album. And one of the familiar faces, one of the people that he's worked with now through the years, close family friend, goes to the funeral for someone who's actually his relative. Yeah. And... There's a man there who said he used to date Kirk Franklin's birth mother. And this friend is looking at the man and seeing his mannerism, seeing his his body type, his size, and is thinking and putting the dates together. And so the discussion is apparently had. And the man is like, hey, if there's a possibility, then reach out to him and let him know that I'm willing to give him. And the man actually did his own DNA test. Yeah. And said, Kurt, do with it what you will, which is an important factor. 
because it really kind of proved that, hey, I don't want anything. He didn't go public with it. And one of the things we learned from the film, which is one of the horrible parts of celebrity culture, is that once Kirk Franklin went public with his story years ago about being adopted, right. he's dealt with people down through the years coming into a trying to attempt to come into his life and claim to be his biological father. Right. Right. And um, so this was something he had to be very protected and shielded about. But he goes into, you know, the the process of matching the DNA. That in itself, I just recently went through something like that with a, with, with a very, very close relative that didn't tell him I was going to talk about this. So I, I'm not going to hint to a name or how close in relationship the person is to me. But we just went through uh, an elder telling this individual that their father may not be their father. And we had to go through uh, a paternity test with the potential father. And it was six months of emotion of just taking it slow, figuring it out, not being in too much of a rush because thinking about the what if it is, what if it ain't, looking at your family, doubting yourself, looking and said, do I look like them? All these different things came rushing in. And as that person finally dealt with, you know, was able to deal with it and get the test done. Um, And the test confirmed that the person wasn't. It was a sigh of relief, but it was also just a lot then left on the plate to deal with. Yeah. Um, So had just recently gone through that. The documentary made me cry even more because I was thinking about my particular loved one. Yeah. um, I haven't experienced this, what he went through. Like I said, even, even from the beginning, okay, so normally he comes off to me very arrogant, very full of himself. He's almost too much, right? He's almost too much for me. All that give dancing, you that. Yeah. Yeah. whooping and stuff he does, it's just like, it's, it's a lot. Now, does he does brilliant music and stuff? Oh, yes, and he could direct a choir and he layers stuff well and, and catchy songs. Brilliant artist. I just didn't particularly care for him. But, you know, I didn't know how he was raised. And, and it's funny because... If you like people, you like them, and mm-hmm. like, you shouldn't necessarily have to curb your films for somebody because of their story. Like, if it's a sad story, you should forgive them or anything like that. I don't necessarily believe that. I kind of think, like, you might empathize with somebody, but that doesn't mean that you have to accept something just because you don't yeah. agree with it. it, it you yeah, know, empathy you can't dismiss you being, yeah. Yeah, you being just a have bad person. Or yeah. have your issues with somebody. Um, yeah. But this is the first time I've seen him, and I didn't feel that air about him. Like he, the, what he was saying, and and um, and this is him just talking about growing up and to be adopted, which I didn't know he was adopted. Um, you know, the woman that was a relative to him, he didn't say exactly how, was sixty four, and he was six years old, and it was just them, and for him to kind of like, you know, one side it feels like nobody wants him. The other side, somebody do want them, but may not have the capacity to give everything that's needed, right? And so, and he mentioned this stuff about knowing who his mom was, and she was there but not there, and he wouldn't see her that often. So all that stuff, it's just, um, you know, 
we just don't know what people are going through and right and, but we always see the effects of it you know what i mean and but it's just out of context and it's just so interesting and like i said it's just like um it was just another reminder to me to to make sure i keep my feelings about things or thoughts about things kind of tempered because you just yeah. never know you know like well, i said I, that means you have to be around somebody you don't care for but then you can also still empathize and understand mm -hmm. But at least keep that part open because that makes it that makes a difference. That makes a difference for yeah, you and I, the person that you're dealing with. It does. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the concept of how I, I really feel what you're saying. And I don't mean this in a messy way. Y'all, I know y'all you're listening, but, but like, listen with me for a second. I grew up going to church, but I also grew up not the pastor's kid. But like one, you know, like I didn't grow up. I wasn't. We didn't have money, you know, that type of thing. So there's some hierarchy. Yes. And there are people in the church that because they have position, and it, it reflects the corporate world. It reflects school. It reflects the world, to be honest with you. Yes. So the church can make you feel some kind of way about yourself and you can be treated some kind of way. And it's some people who fit these roles that can treat you some kind of way. So I remember seeing family members and different people who were in church and get got treated some kind of way by the choir director because they didn't, they couldn't get the silver top with the black pans for sat, you know, for Sunday for YPWW, you know, choir <laughs> or whatever. Like, YPWW. you know, like <laughs> I knew, I, yeah, I had to throw that one out at you. When you told me he was coaching, I was like, yeah. oh, he'll know this. <laughs> You can't now. You couldn't pay me to tell you what all that stood for. It's like young people, something, but I don't know. But mm. now there's a hierarchy. It can make you feel some kind of way. And I think for me, it has taken into my latter years of adulthood, like I'm talking the recent years, for me to really kind of be honest that some of it comes from whether it was I felt some kind of way because these people were fancy appearing and highfalutin and they had their whole little thing. You know, they was dressed nice. I couldn't, you know, we couldn't afford to dress nice. Some of it's that. I got a little bit older and it was like, you know, me being, even like with me being a pastor, I'm like the pastor with no education. And I'm conscious and aware that I'm treated different than the pastors with doctor in front of their name and the people who have this level of education. I'm not given the same opportunities or talked to the same way. Like I'm boots on the ground. I'm the guy who's always out there you know, with the homeless people doing all these different things. I'm like in the dirt, I'm in the trenches. That's that, kind. I'm that kind of pastor, but I'm not the theologian, right? right? And theologians are treated one particular way. Choir directors are treated one particular way. It's like, but the people who are, and I don't concern myself with it, but it took years for me to say that now I'm not concerned with it. But when I was starting in the church yeah. in my adult journey, the trauma from seeing how my parents were treated in the church, not that they had faced one particular abuse, but just the subtle everyday, like just seeing the way they were talked to, seeing the opportunities they got to speak and all those type of things in comparison to the others. Yeah. Church sometimes can make you feel other. And I, and I think that was my attitude toward not gravitating toward Kirk Franklin's personality initially because he seemed like one of those people that wouldn't yeah. have been safe for me. Like he would be like, I wouldn't, I couldn't 
you know, and not knowing the man at all, but the persona he gave off. Exactly. And so I just want to throw that out there because it may sound kind of like, well, of course I didn't know. You know, we don't know him and we shouldn't judge him. And that's fun to say in retrospect. But if we keeping it real, we do. We all do it in different ways. We do. And that's just my truth about it. So like I really seeing him and being able to relate to him in a way of like, oh, he was outcast too. And maybe that's why he go over the top now. I don't yeah. know, but yeah. he was outcast too. So I was like, that relatability factor is dangerous. It can make you like people. Yeah. That maybe you shouldn't like as much. That's what I was saying. That's what I was saying. I always try to temper it with like, you know, knowing that it doesn't make it okay or make it, but it makes, it made so much sense. Like I said, just to hear that. So to hear him, you know, going through that, it just gave such a different kind of perspective. And then also not knowing himself. Cause like, like I said, I thought the same thing just generically. I thought he was like one of those guys that always showed off at church and always like, you know, the pastor's kid or something. And, you know, and everybody was, he just used to everybody kind of going to him kind of like, oh, he's so cute. He's so talented. You would think that he was like one of those, right? And so to hear this and, and to be like, he was just kind of like always just kind of cast aside. And he probably was just always fighting so hard to, to win or to be seen that he don't know how to cut it off. Like even when he wins, he's still like the race is over. He's still running hard and everybody yeah. looking like either somebody gonna see him think he's crazy or they gonna think he's overly dedicated or they're gonna think he's an overachiever. Everything but that in his head, he never hit the finish line. Yeah. The race is never over. And then he's talented too. So he got a creative mind. So that's already a dangerous situation already. You know, I'm personally speaking. <laughs> that that could, could be a, a a beautiful thing, but a dangerous, crazy thing too. So to have that kind of, you know, be a creative person with a roaming mind and not accepting what it is and, and to filter out things and to um, take the parts that's needed and disregard the parts that's not, it is a journey and an ongoing job. Okay, so with this documentary, how it came about, and, and like you said, the whole thing where you know, the way he discovered it. And it's funny, um, as soon as I heard about, they were talking about the church and the church people talking and the rumors getting around and stuff. I just had flashbacks to being a kid and you just kind of, you know, you're not knowing exactly what's going on, but you know how little rumors and you hear your mom talking to sister so-and-so on the phone and how how that rumor stuff and how the information just travels and stuff. It, it just reverted me back to a kid. It was just very interesting. Like I said, people normally, hunting him down or throwing out that they could be his father and to have this guy that was just at a you know funeral for his aunt and you know just mentioned to a to a family friend that hey i used to date kurt's mom back in the day i thought just like even kurt even talks about how how that could just be like a a random funeral random people talking and how it just turned to something else and for him to be 53 even sometimes when we have an answer and we know the answer isn't right deep down it's almost like we're being gaslit even though it may be even self-inflicted sometimes sometimes we just don't know but we know something just not right and you never get the confirmation and we walk around with that and even though we don't have the truth of the whole information to necessarily hurt us hurt us because we know it the lack of information could be just as hurtful and could affect us as well. And so many of us just walk around with secrets that could just kind of free people. But, you know, are you willing to give them that freedom with the truth that you have? 
And so it was just it was just so heavy. And in this situation, you know, when this came up, and like I said, a guy offered his DNA, and Kirk followed through. And when he got the information about that result, and him just kind of, you know, and it was funny because you could tell he's he was listening at the information with different kind of ears, right? Like when I heard, he's, so the doctor calls, pleasantries, um, got the information about the results, and we'll give you the results. And she says 99%, right? And I'm thinking like, well, that dude's his dad. You know, like she said 99 He is so untrusting of hearing information or processing information when it comes to this, that when she said 99%, his next question was, of what like as in yes or no scared to hope that the answer was 99% yes that is your father he he needed to hear it like you you have to tell you have to say this to me and so she confirmed like yes he's your father and then he's like my father and he's just walking back and forth pacing you know and normally he's dramatic anyway so if, if the sound it was, was off, if, yeah. if the sound was off and I didn't know what he was talking about, I would think here he go again, being dramatic, talking to his phone, screaming at the phone, walking away, coming back, walking away, coming back. But it, it was so honest. It hurt my heart to see him. And, and like he said, you know, he was told another guy was his dad and he had come to terms with it. And he buried the guy a few years back. And he's like, this is my father. And he's like, I'm 50 three yeah and i am just getting this information who i i am 53 i'm 53 unhinged i'm 53 broken with no sight of of peace no sight of balance you know i'm 53 he gets information he just can't believe it and so the next thing is like hey you know i'm gonna call my aunt and his aunt oh my goodness his aunt it doesn't surprise me because it matches the mom but he calls his aunt so he could get in contact with his mother who he hasn't seen or spoken to in 20 years. And his aunt is almost acting like when he calls her. Yeah. And he says, it's Kurt. And he says her name. And she's like, excuse me? As if he called the wrong number. But he knows how she is. And he's like, aunt, before he says her name. And she's like, oh, okay. And I'm thinking like, wait. Anyway, well, and I like that he semi, you could tell he wanted to address it, but he stopped himself because he because there was a greater. Yeah, yeah. there was a greater mission at hand, which is the bigger discussion. I feel like we definitely got to start having. And one of the reasons why I said this is a generational watch, because I would challenge anyone if you're watching this, if you watch that documentary to have that conversation forward to like. So, for example, I have a 24-year-old, a 22-year-old, and a 21-year-old, right? Right. And a 16-year-old. I can even include him in the conversation, too, because it starts early. You're raising them. They don't belong to you. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you at some point have to recognize these are going to be full-blown adults that are deserving of respect and honor. And to right. take a 53-year-old man who's accomplished a lot, I won't say more than you or anything like that because I don't know that woman's life. But Kurt Franklin has probably accomplished a lot more than most people. But yeah. and, and I'm saying that from the on the level of not monetary and fame. I'm talking right. just pursuing his dream, you know, and just going after it. This man deserves respect. If he wants to call at 
53 years old and you didn't come pick him up on the weekends you didn't come bring him clothes exactly if he want to call you by your first name yes it's perfectly permissible that that's that ticked i think everybody off who watched it i think everybody was like probably called that woman a name real quick like and and he wanted to too but he knew to catch himself and the sad part is there is not one black man that when he heard him talking to his aunt and she kind of checked him like that we all knew shut up because it's not gonna work out if you do not submit yeah and i'm grown and i knew I, I don't know a black man who didn't read the room and know that, you know. Yeah, I know what she was getting that, at when, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I'm talking about yeah. we as black men, we know with the moms, we know how that goes, where it's not about who's wrong or who's right. It's like, you're the child and you shut up. And it's just like. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why that conversation got to start being had, because that was one of those generational curses that I've had to break, because if I would have kept that attitude, I would not be as involved in my relationship with Christ. I would not be as involved as a man because yes. my my 21, 24 year old, they, they teach me. Like I learn from them. And of course they learn from me. And in the reversal of the situation, I'm still dad. But I also need to learn from them because dude, like, I can sit here and tell you right now, I can be in a room with some people I couldn't have been in a room with 10 years ago, but my kids have taught me how to be in a room with them. Yeah. So my witness has expanded. My love has expanded. My life is more full because I I actually listen and don't disrespect. If my kid accidentally forget to say, sir, yes, sir, or something like that, I don't know. I'm not going to die. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like um, single household families, there's many ways to get to that. And it's not always the same situation, right? The end result, mom with children. Yeah. Especially with growing boys. If you don't have that balance of a dad to kind of offset the emotions that could be stirred by a mother, it could be an interesting situation. Oh, yeah. I do it every year. It's, it's a part it, of my fathering. <laughs> it, it could be, it could be, yeah. it could be hard without that, you know? And so, that balance is really needed and not having that balance is so much i'll liken it to this when the balance is off on steering on a car both the left and right side are trying to do the same thing it's trying to it keeps balance it's just as much pressure on one side on the right side as it is to the left but let one of those tires be off the power from the other side is going to swing so hard without anything to offset it and so the car will not function correctly because it's not any balance it's not wrong for being the left tire and it can't compensate for the right one and so when it's not right it just throws off everything all the tires and the car are just jacked because there's no balance to offset and we're getting in these households where it's just like the mom and these kids and it's nothing to offset and so it's it's creating a different type of person i'll say that um I think it's the nicest way I could say it at this time. I think it is a factor. Yeah. And, and a lot of men, boys that are now men, or men who are still boys trying to figure out how to be a man, is trying to catch up on what manhood is 
being able to speak to authority and all that kind of it's it's so tied in with so much stuff we got grown men that can't even speak to authority because they never had any weight or any anything respecting their their views their thoughts their positions and so everything is just you know mm. yeah no it, it's important that and i always take it maybe two or three steps too deep with this but i think uh, the conditioning that that takes place when you enslave a group of people for generations that our understanding of tribe and understanding of how we care for one generation and empower a generation so that we can like me and you are at these stages of our life where we should be preparing to leave the warrior stage mm -hmm. and enter into an elder stage and as we you know like which means we we should as our kids are getting a little bit older we should pass down and allow them to be able to speak with authority and speak and handle business and we should be able to dignify in a dignified way be able to be honored when we speak right. but also understand that the show's not on us it's is the shows are ran by the warriors they're ran by you know and the elders are here to support and i think sometimes we just we're so used to thinking that we have to do it all that we don't understand the roles that we are kind of made and designed to do within community and right. never transition um, out into the next position and so we're yeah. holding up the seat for somebody who needs to be there who has the mind frame who has the energy like we say the warrior yeah that's true because you you can't have anything to lose you know it's all it's all given to the cause because when you can start getting having family and all that kind of stuff then you give to the family and and you're and the more you have, the more you have to lose. And your options dwindle from even your dreams to everything else. Everything kind of takes back seat to when you're younger and all you have is space and opportunity. Yeah. And so I think the thing that I loved about this part of the documentary is that Kirk is getting this information and now he has to bring it to his mother. And there's this secondary to even get access to her. So there's more mm -hmm. to that story that the documentary didn't reveal for the sake of Kurt. Also, this wasn't supposed to be like this salacious piece, you know, right. so he honored her and never mentioned why she wasn't necessarily in his life in a derogatory way and why there's the auntie in between as the in between. But I think we were able to also, if you are a conscious adult and you know how a adult mind functions, I think you can kind of pick up on that there is some forms of uh, like there's something mentally not connecting which it could be from the result of you know drug yeah. use it could be the result of just you know not properly uh regulated all these different things but the thing of telling you know like that kurt finds out that this man this man from the past who's already passed away was his father and a few years ago he had to come to terms with something i think was key that helped him go into this situation with a lot of grace was that he spent his, and these are his own words, he spent his whole life hating one particular man. Yeah. And then in the 11th hour, through the God that he loves, and, and you know, like had to put to the test what he preaches and sings about is like, okay, but will you forgive? Yeah. You know, and will you, will you let go? And he had to let go of that anger and he had to kiss that man and he had to put that man to rest and walk away from it. It doesn't, 
you know, forgiveness doesn't mean that you don't still deal with it. Death doesn't mean you, you, well, that, that, that issue's gone. Ain't nothing I can do about that. No, you still, it's still there. But he started the process of forgiving that man. And he did the act, the outward act of, of forgiving that man. And then to find out that there's, could you imagine the anxiety of getting these results? And this is at the point where he doesn't really know this man yet. Yeah. The anxiety of, is this round two? Well, I now have to take this hate out the jar. Like I gave this hate up. I supposedly got rid of it. Right. Got rid of the hate for who abandoned me. Right. Now, am I going to pick it back up or am I going to show myself to really be redeemed? And that was a good moment for him as far as like, but he had to go to the mother first to just like he needed from her confirmation so badly that because it was that confirmation that she could provide was going to give him permission to love. And he yeah. needed that. He was look, but he was maybe he was looking for that confirmation in the wrong place. But that's why he was going to her in that moment. Yeah, and it was very interesting too, because the first thing when he was yelling like, "That's my father! That's my father!" He was like, "She lied to me! Like my mother lied to me again, again, again!" Yeah. And this is before he gets together with the aunt and the mother, and they're going for the second DNA test, another yeah. one, and he has the results there, and he's sitting there with the father and the auntie and the mother. And they're saying, like, the results says here again, we did it again. And, you know, saying that he's my father and she won't look at his father. And she's saying, this is wrong. Ain't no way how this could be. And he's like, I just want the truth. He wants that confirmation, even though he that whole thing with the DNA and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I, I think it's a mixed bag. But in this case, I just like, come on now. Like you got the smoking gun and you and you got blood on your hands and you talking about you don't know nothing about. The... Well, it, remember, even the aunt said he just yeah. wants the truth, right? Which tells me, oh, you've been complicit. Like to me, it felt like she knew too, a little bit. You know what I'm well, saying? I can't say that yes or no, but yeah. it felt that way. It's, yeah. it's it's possible, but I but for sure everybody knew, including the mother with that DNA test DNA saying nine nine nine, like like. It's almost like the mic drop, but she she didn't even say like I slept with him one time. She didn't say nothing. It's almost like, like almost like I never seen him before. How could this possibly be possible? She didn't say I was drunk or I was passed out. Anything she could have said anything. She was like straight up no. Let me. Well, you know, I think part of that, and this is my thoughts on this real quickly, is that I think that what happens, especially for African American women, for Black women uh, in American society always kind of being at the bottom of the, the totem pole in so many different ways that I think instinctually that sometimes black women have to, they protect themselves in a way that it can go cross generations. Like meaning I saw that woman trying to protect the little girl trying like, so there's this pot. She said, I slept with this person and that's who your daddy is, Kurt. And it was this other person. And she's still, even at 73 or whatever age she might be, or well, she would be younger because she was probably young when she had them. But yeah. she's, even at this big age that she's at, whatever it might be, I think sometimes you go back to that. It's an arrested development moment when you make certain decisions as a kid 
in their life altering decisions, sometimes you lock and you don't grow and evolve. You just stay in place and try to protect that kid. And I've seen this happen in real life where people will deny, like especially people, and I'm not saying anything about his mom directly, just out of my experience uh, working in drug rehab. People need something to feel good about themselves because they've been the worst of society, as you know, as far as society's view on them. So the one thing, even if it's a lie, the one thing that they can say that they got, they hold on to it and so, and they don't let you throw extra dirt on them. Like, hey man, did you commit this crime back in 98? No, like no one wants to add that. And I think I just felt like watching her, the piece of, of sympathy that I would say that I had for her was that it, I could see that she was trying, she held on to that lie because she was still trying to protect that little girl from being called the neighborhood hoe or blah, blah, blah. So, like, so why would it be, okay, well, how would it be any different than the that, guy she said was the father? It's still a guy. It's still, it's still a guy she slept with. So, but you know, I think she just didn't want to admit that she had slept with a couple of different men, that there was a couple of different options. Like, you know, nowadays, that's that ain't you know body body count ain't nothing but no, back no, I, then you know i i get it but even she might not want to admit it but when you're coming down to a situation where you have a whole human being that's yeah you got to get but, past but, yourself and but, make but a decision I, for, yeah for yeah you, i guess for i guess anything is possible but when you have a whole human being there and and all yeah. other parties have probably passed away by then because she got to be at least in her 60s you know or, or later, and so it's kind of like, it, to the point where she was even asking like, will this answer you know, affect our relationship? And I'm thinking like, if you even know to ask that, then it's kind of like, it was sad regardless, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. It made me question what <laughs> relationship she wants with him. One without accountability, obviously, for sure. She <laughs> Which ain't in a relationship. That's not, that's, not, that's not fair, but I'm, I'm being kind of messy. But but she don't want to be accountable. And you know what? And, I, and I'm wondering too, and, I, and it's none of my business or nobody else's business, but I'm kind of wondering, like, does he do stuff for her even though he's not in her life and stuff like that? I, I'm kind of wondering what what is there. I know he doesn't talk to her stuff, but that doesn't mean people don't do stuff for people. So I'm just kind of curious, like, is is... Because if it's been 20 years and he's straight up not speaking with her, like it said on the documentary, like it's almost like nothing else to lose. So what relationship are you concerned about? The one where you don't talk to your son for 20 years? You lost 20 years of not speaking, not talking or dealing with from the way it said it. Um, what's your concern then? Because you, you kind of don't have a relationship. Yeah, you know? no. You, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, he doesn't it, call you mother. He doesn't give you the title. But he said he can't because Gertrude was his mom, the 64-year-old that was raising a six-year-old kid. And you got to imagine the traumas he had to go through Yes, with a woman who was born and went through. At that time, she would have been raising him in the late 70s or, or in the mid-70s, that type of frame, which means if she was 60 then, that means she was born in the early 1900s, lived through the Depression, you're talking about a person who is so many generations away from this man. So how does she even get into a space where she could have even treated Kurt yeah. well? 
And then also what was said, it wasn't in a documentary, but I heard an interview where he was speaking about how um, when she was in her 70s, I think 74, he said that she ended up getting married again. So I guess miracles do happen. But she got married when she was 74. He was like early 15, 16 or something like that. And he said he kind of had nothing because she kind of wanted to get into the next stage of her life. Like she she found somebody and she kind of so if, if nothing was really hardly going on before, it really wasn't when she kind of got booed up. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure he's just always been on shaky ground, no foundation. Yeah. And no true sense of self or anything else. So he's just been just kind of on survival mode all his life. You know, and, uh, yeah. And you know, the other time he showed restraint, just to go back to this, you know, when they went in for the second DNA test. Yeah. Or when they went to the house. I forgot. But the auntie comes to the car and was like, get your A out the car. Yeah. And I was like, yo. This is wild that this woman and he's like, sign the documents. I'm making a documentary. Let me tell you something. I wish, I pray to have a subject that is that strict about what we're doing, like when we're shooting. And I understand he's probably like executive producer of it and everything, but it's like, you know, I have to find, I gotta have people sign. Every time I record some, I gotta have on record that I have this person's permission, right? Right. That's a serious thing when you're shooting something, because if you don't get that, you might as well not shot at all. Right. Because legal, you just you can't. It's trash. You can't do nothing with it. Right. It will be taken out right away. And so, like her not understanding that, not wanting to sign. It's like, yeah, please sign this. And then I can get out the car because when I because they have to follow me. Yeah. And yeah. now that the story's happening. So I, I appreciated him pressing yeah. her on that. But yeah. it also irritated me how she still kept disrespecting. Well, well, he made a good point about how he wants to kind of keep the narrative and he wants to have his experience and he's trying to be conscious yeah. of staying in that and not letting it get ran off by other folks, which he's, you know, making sure he kind of sets it up in a certain kind of way where this stuff doesn't happen, you know, off the track. And, you know, he's reading the room and he knows who he's dealing with and he knows it's going to be some mess. And the first thing I thought when he asked her to do that, which was like, he's smart because if he's, if he hasn't been dealing with these people for all these years, he knows that it's not stable or it can't be trusted. So only thing he can trust is the fact that if it's signed, they can't pull it or use it or pull it over his head or use it over his head later saying, no, I changed my mind or extortion or whatever else. And so honestly it's messed up. But I was thinking like, I wonder how much he had to pay them to sit down. Like, for his aunt and his mom to be there, I wonder how much he had to pay them to be there. And to pay them to be there for her to still deny him the truth. Cause she didn't give it. And walked out and I'm thinking like, okay, it's amazing how the real victim is sitting there and you denying him confirmation and peace of mind, but you're still one upset, crying and upset and walking away the victim. It's like, yeah. you can't be the victim and the aggressor. You gotta choose a lane. Can't be both. And for sure, you know, he was the victim in this story. Well, and I know that when you know there's no we can't say what she wants one way or another. But yeah. we do know one thing for certain. That's a badge of honor. 
to be able to say to the world, Kirk Franklin's my son. And it's a good and it's a good thing. Like, and I can call him up and I got access to him. And it ain't a sad story attached. And I think she walked away crying, having to mourn the fact that you are never gonna get that thing that you want. Access to the one of the biggest mistakes you made. Like when you, you know, like whether it was on purpose or like whether it was a good thing or not, but it was like, hey, she may live with it as a regret, not a mistake. Let me say one of what she may feel is one of her biggest regrets. It's interesting because she was saying she was crying because she couldn't have what she always wanted. And I'm thinking like, how do you, you're, you're not, you're the reason why you don't have what you want. I don't, I don't understand. And he's giving you a direct line to what you want. And so I was kind of, but like I said, trauma and years of situations and things happening. So it's like, you know, I'm on the outside just looking. Um, but it was just kind of, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot, but I'm, I'm like, yeah, you're, you're saying it's all you wanted, but everything you've been doing from giving him up to being not a constant in his life to neglect and all the rest of that kind of stuff is the reason why you don't have what you want. It's almost like you act up, you cut up, you you know, you, you don't respect the situation, you steal, you, you know, you, you trash the house, whatever, whatever, and you're wondering like, and all I want to do is hang out with you. And I'm thinking it'll be like, well, you're not respecting the environment. You're not, I'm not saying her with him, but I'm just saying that's like somebody doing all these things that that's ejecting them from the situation and wondering how come they're not being embraced and taken in. And it's like, well, you're, you're feeding into your situation. There's gotta be some kind of accountability to it. And if somebody's saying, Hey, if you want to be here with me, I need this from you. And, and you can't give that, then it's kind of like, it's unfortunate if you don't want to give it, but that's the, that's the deal. Um, that's the barter for the relationship. It, it can't just be like, you know, and, I'm, and a lot of times when you're in a situation where you're the one that has the power, you can run things you want. You can be unfair. You could be um, mean you could be anything you want to be because the other person is stuck there under duress like a relationship between a child and a, a parent and a child or a boss and, a, and a, an employee you know those, those situations are not fair and and even though hmm, yeah it, it's just it's just not yeah it, those situations are just not not fair and so she is not in the position of power in that situation. Well, I guess she has the power because she has the information. So in a way, that's she has power. But as far as like him, it's almost like, well, I'm gonna take it or leave it kind of thing. And that's that's what he's offering. And so it's almost like I'm not gonna bend to me not being the one in power. And I'll just have to leave then. One of the big takeaways that I took from this that I think I was also hoping that the majority of us kind of take away from it is that the power of therapy was oh, on full boy, display. Yeah. And I don't want that to be a missed point for like a lot of times we, we I've heard a lot of discussions about this and I've heard people talk more or less about being angry at the aunt. You know, some of the just the details and even some of the deeper church conversation comes up around who Kirk Franklin is and why he's been rejected over the years. Yeah. But but I do feel that one of the one of my favorite portions of this film was that 
the ability for him to set boundaries that comes directly from from therapy his ability to uh conduct himself with a very with a laser focus on on the matter at hand opposed he didn't allow himself to get distracted which is another you know show of boundaries right but the honesty that he was able to display was very instrumental like a lot of people don't that documentary wouldn't have come out you know and so I think when he began to I, I could imagine the process that he has to go through to continue to do his professional duty and record this album lead his family because you still got to come home to your to your wife and you know and to still be the man that he is when he's back at such a primal childlike emotion of like he's dealing with this abandonment issue all over again he's been hurt by his mama all over again these are things that make you want to curl up and just kind of literally what he's going through are the things that make you want to run to your mama yeah, you know, and um, and the irony of his mother being the cause of some of the pain is is is, is ridiculous. So, you know, hats off to him for being faithful and going to therapy and dealing with it. And I think definitely hats off to the father, to the, the yeah. actual biological father, because he was patient. Right. And one of the things that we could pick up on just from the room that they showed the two of them talking in it appeared on the surface level that that his father his biological father doesn't really actually have a need for Kurt it seemed like it seemed like he lived his life as an adult and has his home and has you know some somewhere to lay his head and doesn't seem like he needs anything and his willingness to be patient and by uh, societal standards most people would be like you don't need to be contrite about it you don't need to be sorry about anything but he was sincerely sorry yeah that he because there is a certain level of like there is a certain level of hey man if you know you have unprotected sex with someone yo you know you you got a responsibility now, whether you choose to shun that responsibility or not, but you do look back. You're supposed to look back. And he, you can say, well, I'm a kid, this, that, another. And I think that that's the part when grown man, you look back at the memory of who you was as a boy and you almost scold old you. Like you you scold the boy in you for being like, well, why come we didn't pay closer attention? Right. So, so did you believe him when he said he didn't know? I, I don't. Um, oh, really? And, and I, yes and no. And hear me out oh. on this. One of the reasons why I say, like, I, I do believe that he put himself in a position where he would not have to think about it again, right? But it is not, it's a small community. Things may have been said where the thought had to run, look, well, I'm bringing my own stuff to the table. So let me yeah, let me just say it like this. I think that if you see someone you slept with, they got pregnant later, 
it don't matter if everybody in the neighborhood is like, oh, that's Gerald's baby. You still know when you slept with him, you would still think it. Even if you're a boy, I still think you think. That's the part I'm saying. I feel skeptical, but also, I don't know. He could have... Yeah, I don't know, and it seemed like a small community, so I just it's a small community, but back in '88 too. Because even when I was in school, girls would disappear with the stomach mumps, and you just didn't know what happened, and they come back feeling better, but you know, the next school year, and then you find out eventually that they had had a baby, and it's just like what? So, and then even like you know, like our parents back then. You know, they would ship you off to the South or some other family members or give the baby to somebody else and people growing up with their their mama thinking it's their sister. So I, I think stuff like that could happen and you don't know. And it's happened to people like Jack Nicholson who found out his sister was really his mama. So it's a it's a lot of stuff happens that you may not know. And I thought it was kinda of interesting too, the way the dad was kinda of like, Well, I wouldn't expect to, you know, my stuff with this person to get pregnant or this person, or this person, or this person. Just like I was kind of thinking like the question would have been, well, Kurt, when you went on tour and you stuck with all those different women, did you expect to have be for them to be pregnant with your child? You know, because it's possible too. So I, I don't I don't know if everybody every time somebody a guy sleeps with a woman, he's gonna assume that he got her pregnant. Unless if somebody said something. You should. Yeah, I guess that's in theory, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. If if that if that's the case, we wouldn't have so many situations where women are checking five and six different guys and still not catching who the father is. If that's if that's how that works, it's a we're coming up with so much stuff as of recent times where, especially maybe because of all the child support stuff, where they're finding out that these men that's on these birth certificates are not the father. How is that magic happening? With everybody being in close facilities and everybody sleeping around whoever and everybody trying to figure out what's what. You know, a lot of folks, I've known a few who thought that they were the father, even when the kid didn't even look like him and we were just looking at him like, dude, we're not trying to be messy. And they just like, no, that's my lady. That's my, you know, whatever. So that happens. That happens quite often. And like I said, now that they're doing that thing with the child support where they're going to have you know, DNA testing of the father to make sure the father is the person that you put on the birth certificate. It's going to be very interesting. The truths that's going to uh, be exposed and, and, you know, the who's who of stuff, because we're, this is just a weird time of all this stuff being unraveled. Where we're just finding out like, you know, years. I'm talking about people are like, Kurt is not the only 50 year old who's finding out their father isn't their father. You know, this is more common than we're thinking. It's a lot of, turning the blind eye to or denial or whatever else but it's been it's been going on and happening some people knowing some people not knowing but it is a a thing it's a thing Kerry Washington just came out not too long ago talking a couple days ago talking about she found out that she was a, her father is a sperm donor so she right. didn't know her even her dad so and, and the parents not saying anything. That woman could have been in a car accident and died and not know that, you know, and she's knowing like something doesn't really quite feel right. They love me, but I look a little different. All this kind of Yeah, man. The sad part about this story is he's not the only one. And it's a curse almost. And to have that many people walking around not feeling it's hard enough with the world we live in, not to feel connected and part of something and feel like settled and all this other kind of stuff. And to know or to find out, you know, those feelings 
proven to be correct because of the truth of the fact that that's not your that's not your dad you know that uh. yeah that, that's a house with no foundation and so whatever the weather is good luck good luck because you have no base to stand on even if you buy good siding or get the best paint or get the best fence or whatever or security system if the right wind hit the right angle of that house it is toppled and good luck and that wind might come when you're 14 it might come when you're 30 it might come when you're 53 making an album that's crazy yeah and you know i think it, it forced him to to also as the documentary revealed sometimes when those curses are are broken or when chains are being broken in your life so to speak and things are sometimes breakthroughs for me have always gone forward and backwards and i've had some healing and some different issues i had to deal with uh that i've gone through with my father and what i noticed is that like some of the things that i didn't want for you know cycles to be repeated you know with my children I also wanted them to stop for my father, you know, too, and stop for myself. And so I, I love that you could tell that even though he couldn't convey it in the film and probably can't convey it all the time yeah. because of boundaries, I love that Kurt Franklin was excited about, you could tell, even though it was contained, he was excited about the premise of having a chance of having this thing he always wanted. Yeah. And one of the things that confirmed that feeling for me that he had that was that when he made a conscious decision to redeem himself with his son, like to, to talk with his yeah. son and yeah. to reconcile himself with his son and to mention to his son that like this, you got this grandpa, which people don't understand that when a dad's not around and not in the picture, that kid is also always wishing they had a, another, like, even though that, you know, your mama might be the greatest grandma and your, your daddy may be the greatest grandpa to that kid. That kid is always going to wish they had an extra set of grandparents house to go to. Mm -hmm. They're always longing for that. And to get this gift that Kurt got and, and finding out who his biological father is, he had to give that gift to his son so that his son could have a grandfather. And yeah. I thought that that was beautiful that he he told him about it and he started the the rebuilding relationship, but it was centered around, you're getting something you, you needed too. Yeah, um, so back real quick with Kirk's dad realizing that he was a father and when Kirk passed him the, um, the results and he just kind of burst into tears, something I, I didn't know. And he just, he had to take a moment to step away. It, it really touched me that, like Kirk gave a disclaimer and he mentioned hugs a lot throughout the documentary, right? Just when he was doing the narration and stuff. But when he told his dad and he said like, you know, man, I know you don't, I know you don't know me. I know, he said, and I know, you know, we're getting to know each other. But I, I just want to apologize. I want to tell you now, I apologize if this is not the best hug. Right? Like like that meant, yeah. like that hug, like I said, he mentioned hug several times. And for, and like he wanted to get that hug right. Like, you know, and 
and, and uh, it's very and it's, and it's sad because you know okay so stuff his mom you know like even when he's a little kid right that it was always an issue right and, and he never felt what it wanted because she would keep leaving and and whatever and so maybe her actions even showed that she didn't want him or truly want him even though she could have been going through other stuff to keep her away but but regardless this is a guy who found out that he has a son and he's like i'm sorry i wish i could have been there and, and kurt's just like i was so close to having a father like he's he's not even thinking of the success he have and the awards and the and all the and success and all that he's thinking about i was this close to having a father like he would have took Kirk Smith over anything, over his success and everything. Like, it didn't matter. Like, he was like, I was this close. And a guy living not too far from the studio or where his, his son would play and stuff right across the street, just all that stuff being in your vicinity and, and you just this close from, from having what you want. And it was always around him, just that close. That, that have to mess with his head. He wanted that and that hug was so important to him. And I just thought like, this guy finds out that that's his son. The whole time he's been trying to be like a part of it and like, I'm sorry for the time that's been missed. I want to make up for it. We'll take our time and stuff. He wants him, right? And not for his money. Like you said, he seems to be well-to-do and he's, he's fine. And I kept thinking like, it's beautiful that Kurt is concerned about this hug because this might be the official hug that he actually getting from a parent who wants him. Oh, now. <laughs> know what I'm saying? Man, yeah. This is 53 yeah. years. So I might not give it right. It might not be the best. So I'm giving you a disclaimer because I want this hug to be the, the best hug ever given. This is the hug I've been waiting for for 53 years. It's for somebody who I came from who wants me to have this embrace. It was like crazy. Yeah. It was like crazy. I lost it, man. Yeah. No, I think that was that right there. I'm, I'm, yeah. That was one of those moments where, like I said, man, I just feel like, how do you even contain the excitement? It with that little boy inside of you, that per, because I talk a lot about, because I believe we carry these former parts of ourselves, especially parts of ourselves that wasn't allowed to grow with us because they were like trapped and isolated within a trauma that we relive. And so when you start thinking about this boy being alone, being outcasted, you know, being raised by this woman who was significantly older and all these different things that he went through and to now have just this simple thing that he wanted. And it to me, it showed the power of God. Like just to keep it real on that level, that's what broke me down in that moment that it was like, it really ain't nothing that we can't ask for or think. There's not really anything that's within our mind. That man, that that can't even be in that man's imagination. You, you know what I'm saying? That he right. he's already let go. And the truth came to light. Like the truth actually, like we say it as a cliche, but that was the truth coming to light. Like it came out, regardless if she wants to stay in the darkness with that lie yeah. and pretend. It don't matter. She can stay in that darkness. Yeah. The truth came to light. This man has a has the one thing he always wanted, and that's a parent. Yeah, that loves him, that wants him just as much as he wants them. Now the dream ain't too for him. You know what I'm saying? Like when the deficit he's been at, 
the dream wasn't a, he had already kissed and let go of the man he that he hated all those years that he thought abandoned him uh, was a part of the abandoning process so none of that angst was in his heart about this man he was able to get a father he was qualified for the blessing because he had already let go of the things that could destroy the blessing that he had mm. within him now that's the truth that's beautiful and that's in that that's the part that I was like that's the part that broke me down so much and that was that like it mm. really it really makes you have to put some of your some thoughts on what does it mean to forgive and how forgiveness truly sets us free and why is such an integral part of our daily task every day to be forgiven and to forgive others to offer it and receive it from ourselves some we have to sit still but though, and, and I'm talking, you know, we're talking directly, I guess, to people. Who, if you're a part of a Christian belief system, it's, I guess, who I could address here or whatever your belief system is, I guess this could go. But you, sometimes you've got to sit still and hear that you are forgiven. And I say that in this particular moment, just to say that, one, this was a part of the beginning of the church they did that this is part of what you your instruction of meditate you know like to do these things that we're supposed to do god wants to talk like wants to tell you you're forgiven but sometimes we don't ever hear that we are so we move on and we behave a particular way and as i see we we tend to move on and behave as though we're not forgiven as though we are still caught up on the mistakes that we made and I think Kirk hugging that man instead of being an investigative journalist, he just, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't like, hey man, you know, like he didn't drag him. He hugged that man. Right. That's Kurt saying like, I forgive you for the mistake that you made. That's him saying like, and to think that that gift that Kirk was passing out in that moment, his mother could have got that. Yeah. But pride comes before the fall, man. And she chose pride and she chose and she's sitting at home right now with her pride if you know unless they've reconciled but yeah. like sometimes what people lose out on i can't even be mad at them sometimes that's what breaks my heart yeah. i think if we have a heart that is after god's heart then we're gonna sometimes when we see those type of things our heart is gonna break in that same way we're gonna look and we're gonna be like yo she walked away from her chance and that breaks my heart because regardless of what she said, I couldn't imagine being separate from any one of my kids. Right. I, I could make a mistake tomorrow that makes my kids say, ah, I'm out. Right. And I will think if I made that mistake and I got a chance, I'm running through that door. I'm busting that door now. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. I always pray that I stay on the good side of things with my family as well. Um, so like you said, he goes to reconcile with his son to basically tell him that I got some information to tell you. He said, I could tell already. I'm, I'm not going to like it. Like, what is it? And he was like, you know, I found my father. And he showed he showed him the video, I guess, basically of, you know, him finding out who his father is. The same video of him walking back and forth and, you know, she lied to me again. All that stuff. That's my father. That's my father. And it was just like, and his, his son just started breaking down. And, you know, and for him, he's like, he's like, he said, even for all the stuff, all I really wanted was my my dad and my 
and my um, and my granddad. And it's sad, and it's so much truth in this situation that um, not making it all right, but you could kind of tell from the situation that Kurt's failing was the fact that he couldn't give something he didn't have or he never seen. As much as we try to make up for the things that we were lacking, you know, we, we try to be pretend to be adults. We, we pretend to be competent. We pretend to be all this kind of stuff. Like if you don't have an example of that, it is so hard to be those things because you don't have the foundation of where these things are stemming from. We can go through the motions of a lot of stuff. You know, just because you drive a car don't mean you know how to fix one or how one works. And we're doing a lot of driving with no understanding of how it works and what's, what's propelling us. And it can make us dangerous. It can make us dangerous. It could get us into trouble fast because we know how to hide moves, but we don't know how to control or what controls. Cause if you don't control or know how it works, it controls you. And it's only so much time before, you know, you might lose control because you have no basis to let me gather myself. This, I need to have this in the beginning, this, this, that, and that's how I make sure this is stable. So this could happen. You don't have that skeleton you don't have it. And I think a lot of us don't walk around with those things. And because of that, it's only so long we could hang in there, even with best intentions. And, um, oh, and so even with that, I, I think him just hearing that just made him even, you know, that opened him up to even forgive uh, Kurt with all the stuff they were going through. Cause we heard about the, the porn stuff on Oprah, um, people, you know, having an issue with his music, um, him and his son get into arguments. He's talking crazy to his son and all this other kind of stuff. It's just like all that stuff is just dysfunction that just spilling over. The cost of that is his success because people could just be like, I'm not dealing with Kurt Franklin because he can't even get along with his son. All this stuff is tied to that. So, you know, somebody who you know, even if you have common sense, you can be the worst person, but you know how to act on TV because you don't want to lose everything. So somebody who's unraveling and their livelihood is tied into perception of what they are and that's falling apart in, in public. You know, that that's things getting out of hand that you can't even pretend and control. Say they have to Will Smith. As much as he tried to present and he held it tight on his perception that he wanted to give everybody, his foundation, we find out, was crap. And even that came in front of everybody. And it took him in his 50s as well to unravel. Yeah. Will Smith over here slapping people? The Fresh Prince, the guy who's joking about everything? The closest thing, we didn't have no respect for him like that, being like a tough guy until he became Mike Lowry and Bad Boys. Before, he was a joke. It took a character, Mike Lowry, for people to kind of like, oh, we could have an edge to him. You know, that was probably his release because he couldn't be that in, in, in anything else in his life to the point where he's slapping somebody about a bad joke. Yeah. Oh boy, man. One of, one of the uh, thoughts that I'd had watching the film and then I, I got on the internet and saw someone had actually posted a more in-depth thought on it was that I really thought about how his wife was hardly in, in it at all. And I think part of it, one of the points that I read about that was that, could you imagine how hard it must have been for her to contain herself as a spouse? Yeah. And I could imagine that if someone like the mother, the aunt, 
that the aunt being disrespectful or right. the mother uh the mother saying what like i don't know as a spouse right as much as i love my wife if i could contain my my words i want to be there for her i would want to you know what i'm saying yeah. but i think yeah. i would have I, I would have one of those hey we need to talk outside real quick you know moments because yo this blood test say 99.9 and my and my my spouse needs you to give them this yeah it, it that had to be a difficult process for her to walk through um yeah. and i'm not saying she went off on anybody or anything because i don't know but i do know that um all the other fan you know the family members involved and everything you know, if, if you love this person and you watch them go through, that had to be, that's a tough thing to watch a person go through because although, yes, I'm happy that this odd thing happened and I did not think would ever happen in a million years because I thought I buried my father. So the idea that like, this is a Lazarus-like moment almost, you know, and <laughs> metaphorically, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. But it's like, right. no, you're dead. You shouldn't. And then boom, now I have a father. But I, but my mother's still the same. The mm. the contrast, the bittersweetness of it. But the sad thing is, is it's numb. The, the bitter is numb because he's always. This is what he's always gotten from her. Yeah. And so, I think that this film, um, a short film. Heck, we've talked more about this film than we've talked. Three of this film, yeah. three of the film. Uh, but yeah. it's like, I think for us, you know, my biggest, one of my biggest takeaways with this film is that, you know, the beauty of when he called his son, the beauty of, of then taking it and turning it into the art. So he, he took this thing, this, this thing that was meant to destroy him. Yeah. And he gave this thing like, and it started back when when he had all this hate for one particular man, this one figure. And then he let that hate go. And now it's like that allowed him to forgive and, and his his son. It allowed, so you're talking about something that was meant to destroy him and his kids and was meant to destroy like his legacy, meant to destroy, and I'm gonna say it whether people like it or not, this concept that we you know we talk we want to say these scriptures though it's cliche but it's like no this god's word it's like the enemy comes to kill steal and destroy this man's ministry is meant to build up and, and to help us grow and, and have an appreciation he gives us a safe space to enter into the presence of god with worship and so if he's been gifted with this particular gift don't be mistaken that there is a mission within the spiritual realm as you know to kill still and destroy that gift that he has so he from the beginning there's been so much to that's come against this man and he shouldn't be where he's at he shouldn't be sharing out of this space that he shares out of yeah. that has blessed so many of us in so many different ways and all i'm saying you know like watching this it helped renew my faith a little bit to be able to say, okay, God, you are still in control and I do see you 
I do see your hand. And sometimes I forget that God's hand is is as mighty as it is. And I saw where Kurt let go. He and, and this is not the cliche. He let go. And then God got busy. Like he let God do it. Like take it. And he did his part. You know, in life, and I would always tell the guys in rehab every day, there's your part, there's my part, and there's God's part. Guess right. what part you responsible for? <laughs> and and I would make them repeat back to me every day, like my part, because I'm going to do my part. Whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm going to do my part without your assistance. Can't do it with your assistance, actually, because then it would not be your part. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it wouldn't be my part. So right. it's like, it's my part, your part, and God's part. We ain't got a question. God going to do his part. Are you going right. to do yours? And are you going to show up the way you're supposed to show up? That man following that inclination to say, yo, this might be my son and I'm going to go ahead and hand over my DNA. Like that's big obedience. That's big, simple obedience. That's the, that's the stuff when only God can tell you to do something like that. Yeah. All that stuff just fell into and fell in line in spite of all that stuff. Now that, like I said, the, the timing was the crazy part, right? This, why didn't this happen years ago? But it's just interesting how when, when, when that one piece fell, how it just, and some of it was because of messiness, because of gossip. Some of it was because of, you know, gossip that turned out to be the truth. It's just, it, it just, it just, it's like hitting all green lights. You just never know. But when, when you hit it and it's just, you know, straight, straight line ahead, it's just something to see. Um, and also how many close misses, like, you know, he could have bumped into that kid. His, his son could have bumped into his granddad and just didn't know it was him. Or Kirk could have bumped into his granddad at the at the local grocery store, or his father at their local grocery store, and not knew that man was his his dad. We always see people that look like us. We think, oh, that's you know, we could be cousins or joking around and stuff like yeah. that. Like we, we, everything's just so scrambled. It's just it's just yeah. I don't, I don't want to get back yeah. to all that. One, it's just something. Yeah. One of the big takeaways is, man, if you know. I think it's one of those things that if you think there's a chance, it makes you have to me. Let me just put this on my personality type. I don't have this long rap sheet or anything like that, but it did. It makes you think back to the times where it's like, man, when I was not responsible, could I have done this? You know what I'm saying? Like we have to teach our, our kids. This is part of that challenge of watching this as a generational watch. This is a good lesson for a young man. I'm tired of talking about somebody who can go out and actually get a woman pregnant or, you know, I'm talking about somebody who can't get a person pregnant yet. They need to know before they're eligible in that particular way, biologically, they need to know that what you do sexually holds weight in this universe. Oh, yes. It holds serious weight in this universe and it has repercussions that ripple and there is no hero in this documentary. And right. although the father stepped up to the best of his ability considering it, he was just as unknowingly, but just as complicit with, with Kirk's pain inadvertently because there has to be, and, and, and we started off, you know, we kind of rabbit trailed earlier, but this was part of the conversation of why we longed to 
stay with the rules or to stay with law or to stay within these places because it does keep us in a space of but this is why God is always like yo I designed this this particular thing for marriage outside of it it can get sticky you know (laughs) and I think that that's uh you know more power to them I hope that they develop a great relationship I hope Kurt is able to enjoy you know a good 20 30 years or however long God's will is with this man and enjoy it in perfect peace and have harmony and I pray redemption uh and, and reconciliation I keep saying the, the term redemption but I mean reconciliation in most cases I really hope that he reckon he's able to and I guess reconciliation isn't really they never were reconciled uh so yeah. I, I pray that there is a bridge and a softening of his mother's mind and heart um, so that, and a humbling, you know, so that she can have this thing that they both yearn for. And something that I honestly believe is a part of what I believe that God, what God's will is in this situation. I believe that God, I, I can't sit here and say that if that's the desire of Kurt's heart to have both his parents and uh, in the, in his life, accessible and a half, you know, as healthy of a relationship as possible. I pray that, that God's will be done in that particular way, and I really hope that that means that you know, if, if that's the desire of her heart, that she does what she has to do to get there, you know. Yeah. But it was good. I mean, it, it was a good movie. It was a good watch, man. I feel yeah. like it's it's so much more we could talk about with it, but also we have talked a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just thinking about our conversation now. It's it's yeah, this is definitely different than um than I was expecting, but it's definitely what I what I definitely what I needed. It's it's interesting. As short as this thing was, like I said, it's thirty like thirty six minutes or something like that. It's very it's very short. But the truth of it is, as heavy as it was, I don't think I could have took anything a minute longer. You know what I mean? It it was. It was long enough. It's like one, <laughs> like one of those uh, city blocks, you know. Oh, you walk a block, yeah, a city block. So those those are different. So yeah. something this this honest, this powerful. It covered so much. It was very dense, but all the all the parts hit. And and like I said, it gave me new eyes when it comes to to Kurt Franklin. I will be buying this album Father's Day. It comes out I think October sixth. I haven't bought. I don't think I own one of his albums. I don't. Uh, this one I will just because this has a journey that we got pulled into. And I, I just kind of want to hear what does he say about it through his art? I'm just curious. And um, yeah. 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 God's the master storyteller, man. Oh, yeah. Kurt is not that good. There is, you could get Ken Burns. <laughs> it don't matter who it is. Can't nobody tell a story that masterful. Yeah. In real time. And yeah. you know what? And it was about the same length of a sermon. Uh, <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, uh, I bring up the fact that it was about the length of a sermon just to say that that is what the church of God, like God's actual church, capital C church, not what we pretend and play and do. That is actually what church ministry is. I'm not even going to say that's what it should look like, anything. That is a, that is you start in one level, you're presented with the with an issue, and then you you trust God in it, and you see the process, and you walk through it. 
that's ministry in real life just mapped out for us and i just feel like yo yeah i'm with you in the sense that it's like i will definitely be streaming which is my version of buying an album you know <laughs> like not illegally but you know what i'm saying it'll be on my spotify <laughs> right same here. I'll pre- yeah, yeah i'll pre-add it to my spotify and you know and i'll do it like any other album i'll listen objectively i have an emotional tie to it yeah but i uh you know but this will be the first time that kurt because i saw with a preview where he's singing on it and you know in the past every time he sings i know that that's the skipper but but but, but even on this one even on this one even when it ended he was trying to sing he's like oh i'm saving my voice for the for the concert i'm like no you just can't sing we know we know you ain't saving your voice y'all y'all, y'all sing that part here Head of, ah, ooh, uh, y'all y'all got that part i'm, I'm yeah. saying my voice. i'm like yeah they got the whole part and so we know he's gonna have a good choir singing and lead singing and stuff he he knows better he know he can't he know he can't sing but he could he makes a wonderful a wonderful song and like i said i'm, I'm looking forward to it who knows we might we might do an album review how about that oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you never know yeah <laughs> But man, I, I appreciate you. I say it all the time because I I mean it. You have a, you have a wonderful insight and you have um, empathy that when we talk about stuff, I, I really appreciate. Because sometimes I feel like I'm open, but then sometimes you'll say something that just like oh, and sometimes that's how I kind of feel with your perspective. And I think that's why a lot of times our conversations kind of hits different. And so I always appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you saying it. That's. Uh... That's good stuff, man. You never know what people need to hear. So I deposit that in my love thing. You know, like I appreciate that because there's always days and moments where you just don't know. And, yeah. you know, to be affirmed um, yeah. by a friend is always great. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you. And, and thank you for always having me on. Well, thank you for being here. This is Jay and Drew. With our uh, open discussion review of Kurt Franklin's documentary, Father's Day. Until next time, peace. All right, I'll just like it. Peace. All right, man. Peace. Thanks for listening, and please like and subscribe. Be sure to check out past and future episodes of this show along with my other shows entitled The Movie Bench Quarterbacking Podcast and The J and Podcast. Available now on all streaming platforms. Until next time, peace.